Cleveland native, joins us now. Nick, appreciate you giving us some time tonight, my man. Thank you so much. He emerges from the depths of the earth to apologize because <laughs> he's got future in-laws coming in tomorrow and was moving a bed out of his basement and completely lost track of time. So now I'm here, and I apologize. Hey, listen, family comes first. I, I know how that stows, too. We're all getting ready for the holidays and family being in town, so not a problem, man. I, I Like I said, I'm, I'm more grateful to you more than anything that you're giving us a few minutes here, so thank you. Um, kind of uh, to start off the conversation along the lines of what I was just talking to when we, when we got you in here, Given all the injuries that continue to mount for this team, a couple more that were added to the list today, Grant Delpit, although he could return maybe for the playoffs, um, and Obo Kruanko likely headed to the IR as well. How far do you think this Browns team can go, if, assuming that they clinch the playoffs here in the coming weeks and they have Joe Flacco with, with Joe Flacco under center? Well, I mean, first off, it's a bummer because obviously you don't want to see anybody get hurt. The Browns now at a dozen-plus, significant players injured um, and on IR. And it's a bummer more than anything because the AFC is relatively wide open. The top seed is a team that the Browns win to their house and beat in Baltimore. Kansas City's got problems. Miami just blew a two-touchdown lead in the last four and a half minutes of the game on Monday night against the, the lowly Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, and, and you see what's going on in the AFC South with Jacksonville and Houston and Indianapolis. And the Browns just beat the AFC South leaders. So, um it's it's a bummer because you can only you can't help but envision or at least dream of what you know might be able to happen with the full strength Browns or close enough. You know, maybe if you had just had Deshaun Watson or you just had Nick Chubb or you just had Jack Conklin or you know uh, just Denzel Ward was able to stay healthy for a, a month and Grant Delpit could be out there. A number of different guys that you've lost, um, but yet there, a lot of credit is due. Kevin Stefanski and the job that he's done as a coach so far. You know, he's taken his fair share of criticism. You know, some of it deserves, some of it maybe a little overblown. Uh, situational play calling sometimes has been his downfall. He's been better at it lately, especially in the last three weeks. Um, but he's done a hell of a job coaching this team. And that is undeniable considering everything that they've had to deal with. So to answer your question about whether, you know, how far can they get, um, it's, it's tough to project because I think that the team that gets hot at the right time can end up emerging from the AFC. Like the NFC right now, I feel like the 49ers are the best team in the NFC and they're going to win the conference if they stay healthy. And they're relatively healthy. Anybody can come out of the AFC right now. All the Browns got to do is get to the dance and figure it out from there. You have a month for you know guys like Delpit potentially to come back from IR, so the timing isn't the worst. Uh, you just got to get there. And I think you just let the chips fall where they may and see if Joe Flacco can continue to play like he's been playing so far. We've only got two games of a sample size. But I can't really put, you know, a definitive limit on this team just because there's no favorite in the conference right now. Yeah. And uh, they've already overcome so much and found ways to win with everything they've already dealt with that I, I really don't know what their limit is. You mentioned the job Kevin Stefanski's done this season. Is there a case to be made that the Browns brass here, led by Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, both of them should be up for both coach of the year an executive of the year. I know from the coach of the year standpoint, like D'Amico Ryans is going to get a lot of looks because of how the Texans have been. Uh, Dan Campbell with what he's done with the Lions. But, I mean, you look around the league, there's nobody dealing with the, the sheer number of injuries that Stefanski is, and to have his team position where it is is pretty damn remarkable. I mean, yeah. Not only did you lose your starting quarterback, you, you went through two other backups before you got him the third backup that you signed in the middle of the season and got ready to play. That alone, and the fact that they win games, you know, amid all of that, is deserving of at least some consideration. Um, 
it's another thing, much like the AFC and how we kind of set, you know, sort out who's the favorite, who's not going to the playoffs. I think a lot of these awards are also going to be determined. I mean, this is also a strange season in which we didn't really have an MVP front runner emerge until, I don't know, a week or two ago, depending on how closely you paid attention to Dak Prescott. Um, I, I thought probably about two or three weeks ago, maybe going into Thanksgiving that he would, you know, he's in the conversation. Then he had a great game then. And now people are paying attention to him, you know, two weeks later. Uh, but I think that, he definitely deserves consideration. D'Amico Ryan's, like you said, deserves consideration as well. Um, and, you know, you could just kind of look around the league. I mean, even Shane Steichen kind of deserves some some attention because he's been able to, you know, get the Colts to a position where they could contend for the playoffs with Gardner Minshew as their backup. But that situation is not as dire as the Browns has been. So if you're going one-to-one, um, Steichen has definitely turned the Colts around pretty quickly, um, all things considered. But Stefanski's dealt with so much more that – yeah, he's got to have some consideration. Andrew Barry, um, if the Browns win three of their last four games and finish with 11 wins, uh, you, you probably look at that and think that, you know, maybe he's in the conversation as well because what he did is go out and get enough depth for this team to be able to survive all these injuries. But um, we're not at that results point yet. So as much as we're headed toward award season, I think it's very fair to have both of them in the discussion. But I won't go so, so far as to say that either of them are 100% deserving just yet. At the Nick Shook on Twitter, Nick Shook joining us here on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Given all the injuries that have piled up with the Browns, but you can also look around the league and just see, I mean, we're getting quarterback matchups like Mitch Trubisky versus Jake Browning and Nick Mullins versus Aiden, o- Aiden O'Connell. Like, does the NFL have an injury problem? And And I'm not saying like you have the solution for it, but is there any way to resolve this, especially when the league talks about we want to add games. Like, they want to go to 18 games at some point in the regular season. It just feels like it's going to just be more and more of this war of attrition. The healthiest teams are the ones that only really have a shot when it's all said and done at winning a championship. That's kind of been the NFL for a long time. Um, it's probably more amplified now because of how it's affected the quarterback position this year. It's been a strange year for quarterbacks. A lot of guys have gotten hurt. I think close to a quarter of the league was is rolling with backups right now. Um, it's also tough to have a legitimate backup option with the salary cap. So it makes for a really difficult job for any GM to handle. Uh, I don't think that it nece- the league necessarily has an injury problem, but we did talk about you know player health, player safety, longevity when adding the 17th game. Um, obviously money talks, so you know that's why you even discuss potentially tacking another one on in the future. But And, of course, then we're going to get the 17th game because, again, money talks. But... Um, this was always going to be a risk and it's probably a risk that the league deems worth it. And the players are largely paid a decent enough salary to make the risk worth it for them. Uh, it's just a bummer when you're a fan of a team that loses a ton of guys like the Browns have plain and simple. Um, but I think that injuries are always, it's always a war of attrition. It's always who's the healthiest, the longest. It's one of the first things I like to say when I talk about teams going to the season is yeah, everybody looks good on paper, but Who's deep enough? Who's deep enough to weather the injuries that are inevitable? Because they are. Injuries are inevitable when you play 17 games over a season in 18 weeks. It's just it's inevitable. It's it's too violent and taxing of a game for that not to happen. You just hope that they're as minimal as possible. The Chiefs making a big deal out of the Kadarius Tony offsides. And, and listen, I understand the play was incredible. And it would be one of those replays that we'll always have to remember. That was an awesome play that actually never happened. But they look sort of stupid for their whole up in arms plea that they, that it shouldn't have been called, right? Like that—that that was the right call. They're making a mountain out of a molehill here. Yeah, they were, and they walked it back in the day since. Um, good on them <laughs> for doing that. Uh, it's unfortunate that they reacted that way, but what that really was is a product of 
a frustrated Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah. He understands that, look, he is a superstar, and he makes some superhuman plays on a weekly basis. But he's going the, he's finding the going to be tougher this year. Um, it's just, you know, his magic that he, he makes on his end is not being reciprocated on the other end, and the difference is drastic compared to previous years. I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm thinking, man, I wish they still had Juju Smith-Schuster. And, and that's not a name that's necessarily going to be a headliner. He's not going to put Juju's name on the marquee, and yet, you know, they'd be probably in a better spot if he was catching passes than Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Kadarius Toney or whoever else it might be out there who's dropping passes. It seems like it's a new guy every week, and it's definitely almost always Tony. So I think that what you saw was Patrick Mahomes just, you know, he's tired of it. I mean, that's been the narrative. If you pay attention to Kansas City media, they've been talking about this for weeks, about how they're wasting one of Mahomes' prime years because they didn't surround him with enough talent. And, again, that is a microcosm of the salary cap era. And, and the Chiefs have done a really good job of staying competitive while also paying a quarterback a ton of money. Um, they've been able to recycle some guys, let guys go, and replace them with young studs. You know, George Karloftis replacing Frank Clark, for example. You can keep going down the list for a while, but this is probably the first year in which they've realized we don't have legitimate receiving talent anymore. You know, the the Patriots-like approach or the approach that the Chiefs employed in the last few years where we're going to make a collection of guys and they're all going to be, you know, the sum of their parts um, is, is greater than the individuals, right? Well, this year the sum of the parts is not, you know, matching up to what Mahomes expects. And I think in that instance, when something finally worked, because so much did not work in that game, Tony gets called for an offensive offside, which is a, a penalty you don't see very often. You're seeing it more this year. But he gets called for it, and Mahomes is irate because he, the one time that they finally worked some magic and scored a touchdown, it gets called back by a penalty that you just rarely ever see. And he's at the point now where he's like, God, nothing can go our way. And especially somebody who's accustomed to doing nothing but playing home playoff games and getting to the AFC championship game and getting to the Super Bowl on a near yearly basis. Uh, I can understand his frustration and he's probably learned a valuable lesson about, I don't know, getting all the information before exploding on an official on the sideline and kind of making a fool of himself. Tom Curran, NBC Sports Boston reported this week that it's essentially a done deal. Belichick won't be back next year. How much demand do you think there's going to be for Belichick? Uh, it's not a good coaching market, so I think it'll be higher than you expect. Um, I mean, the, one of the top candidates, the two top candidates I think are at the top of my head are Ben Johnson, the OC in Detroit, and Louis Anarimo, the DC in Cincinnati. And neither of them would probably be leading candidates in the regular year. Maybe Ben Johnson, but I don't know. It's just not as strong. So I think of a team like the Chargers, who will probably make a change, um, are in the market for that and are willing to hand the keys over to Bill Belichick at his age. Um, you know, there's going to be probably a few teams that are willing to at least explore it. So I don't think demand will be sky high, but it'll be higher than it would in a regular year just because the other candidates out there aren't as strong. It's going to be fascinating to watch if he does part with the Patriots. You know, that is a report. But if he does part with them, they're currently 3-10, and 10, so I can understand why, uh, then, then it's going to be something really interesting to watch. It's going to make the offseason even more entertaining than it already is. And if there's one league that's good at making the offseason entertaining, it's the NFL. I'll get you out of here with this, Nick. Uh, how many, as we talk about Belichick and teams that may be interested in him, how many head coaching vacancies do you expect to be this offseason? Because they're, they're, it's, it's trending towards potentially being a lot. I mean, we got two already. You're imagining maybe the Chargers job opens up here at some point. Uh, maybe Washington with a new owner there. Like, there's there's a long list of teams that could be looking for new head coaches. Yeah, let's see. We got two already, uh, three with the Chargers, four in Washington, potentially five in New Orleans. We'll see how the Bucks finish. We'll see how the Falcons finish. 
Um, I think Dable's probably safe. <sighs> you know, New England could be one. I'm going to run through the whole list while we're here. Uh, <laughs> AFC Southwise, I think Mike Vrabel's probably safe. Even though Ohio State fans would prefer that it's he's not safe, then he leaves and goes to Columbus. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> NFC side, Gannon's a first-year coach, so he's probably safe. Matt Eberflus is probably on his way out. Uh, Kevin O'Connell's safe because it's still early and they're still competitive. Um, yeah, I, it's, I think I ran through most of, most of the divisions there. Um, Mike Tomlin's safe, you think? I, I mean, I, I think it's obvious. I mean, but... it's a it's a franchise that. They've had three coaches since 1969. They're not a franchise that makes a change, you know, overnight. They're not, you know, it's, it would be different if their ownership was like David Tepper in Carolina, for example, but they're not. That's just consistency and and continuity is the name of their game. So I think he's probably okay. He's probably earned a a, a grace period, at least considering everything that's happened to quarterbacks. So God, how many are run through there? Probably about 10, uh, close to 10. Yeah, that's a lot. Usually it's about seven, <laughs> six or seven. So, uh, and the market's not great, like I said. So, I think you're going to see some guys stay that you'll be surprised to stay, just because the other options aren't out there aren't great. But um, they got a month to kind of figure that out, and uh, it's going to be very fascinating for sure. He's Nick Shook. You can follow him on Twitter at the Nick Shook, uh, NFL.com writer. Cleveland native, we always appreciate his time. There's so many more things I could continue asking you about this this league, the, this year, and the season that's unfolding in front of us, Nick. You know I always appreciate your time, my man. We'll we'll hopefully catch up again soon. I hope uh, your visit from your in-laws goes smoothly. Those can always be yeah, stressful. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll, we'll do it again, and this time I'll actually get on at the right time instead of forgetting about <laughs> it because I'm too busy moving a mattress. It's all good, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you so much.